This podcast is brought to you by GovInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within federal, state, and local government agencies. Hello, I'm Executive Editor Eric Chabro, and welcome to GovInfoSecurity.com's Week in Review for October 15th, 2010. The Departments of Homeland Security and Defense have formally established a joint approach to defend America's government, military, and domestic IT systems. DHS Secretary Janet Napolitano and Defense Secretary Robert Gates agreed to a new framework to enhance operational coordination and joint program planning to secure critical IT systems. Under the agreement, DOD cyber analysts will be embedded within DHS and DHS Deputy Assistant Secretary for Cybersecurity and Communications, Rear Admiral Michael Brown, will work full-time at the National Security Agency. Jim Lewis is a senior fellow at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, and he characterizes the announcement as a big step forward. I think it's mainly to help DHS with its mission of defending.gov and to let them make sure they have as much information as is available on particular threats, particularly foreign threats. So a lot of times we'll see malware that might have some encrypted elements, and the only people who are going to be able to read those encrypted elements will be at NSA. Now DHS has a way to quickly get in touch and get some help on that. In our featured interview, I spoke with Phyllis Schneck. She's IT security maker McAfee's public sector chief technology officer. In our chat, we discussed how IT security wares are evolving to emulate a healthy human body with a strong immune system to battle infections routinely. Just like your body defends against thousands of colds every year and you only maybe get one, that's what these systems are designed to do, to push off the enemy and push off malicious malicious traffic without it having to have a name, certainly without it having to have a signature. Just understanding what's good or legitimate and what is not well-intended or not needed and being able to defend against that and get smarter as you do so. By having various components interact with each other, Schneck says the next generation of IT security tools will have built-in intelligence to recognize abnormal behavior. The trend is for more systems to rely more heavily on intelligence. Uh, Signatures just are not going to be the way of the future because we don't have time to put a name and a pattern on enemy behaviors and then pass it out and block it. We really need to now understand what that behavior is because they are faster than we are, they're stronger than we are, um, they don't have competitive boundaries, so it doesn't take them any time, reason, process, or law to inflict bad things on us, and we have to respond in real time. I'll be back with more news and our blog after this. Are you responsible for your agency's regulatory compliance program? Do cybercrime, data breaches, or endpoint security keep you up at night? Do you have any certifications which require continuing professional education credit hours? The solution to your problems may be the GovInfoSecurity.com Educational Webinar Library. You'll find plenty of courses that align with your core responsibilities. Visit GovInfoSecurity.com for more information on how to access these webinars. Welcome back. GovInfoSecurity.com took a look at the latest government employment data and in our analysis saw the IT unemployment rate drop to 5.1% for the third quarter. That's down four-tenths of a percentage point from the previous quarter. Still, IT joblessness is nearly a percentage point higher than it was a year earlier. But there's encouraging news in the employment stats. During the July through September period, the pace of IT employment picked up. 40,000 more people held IT jobs in the United States in the past quarter than did during the previous three months. 
Finally, from our blogs. A recent survey from the National Association of State CIOs reveals that only 8% of the states have deployed the Consensus Audit Guidelines, known as CAG. Perhaps the reason states haven't widely adopted CAG is that they're intimidated by the number of critical controls, 20, the guidelines say organizations should implement. They needn't be, because they don't or shouldn't employ them all at once. CAG champion and former Air Force CIO John Gilligan encourages organizations to take baby steps in implementing the controls. Organizations struggle to make any progress because it's literally impossible to do all of the controls at once. And so you end up doing bits and pieces of controls. You really never get anything firmly established. It's well managed and you can say, all right, we're done with this. We can move on to something else. Gilgan says the initial concept of CAG is to focus on subsets of controls. Just picking an incremental capability, doing that, and then sort of evolving and growing from that into something that's more expansive. Getting feedback, getting lessons learned, rather than trying to take a big bang approach and, and not being able to get there. That's it for this week. I'm Eric Chabra of GovInfoSecurity.com. Thanks for listening and have a good weekend. This podcast has been brought to you by GovInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.GovInfoSecurity.com.